Welcome back to another episode of That's So dot dot dot, a monthly series here at That's So Chronic where we unpack, analyze and chat a little bit more in depth about something, could be a book, could be a film, podcast episode, whatever, that's in our That's So Chronic world. Today's episode is a little bit special. As you can tell from the title, I'm chatting more about the inspiration behind starting this podcast from when I had the idea to how I made it happen and where on earth we go from here because this week is our first birthday so welcome and happy birthday to that's so chronic On the 29th of September in 2020, the first episode of That's So Chronic was released. It was an interview with Hayley Sproul all about her diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. And the response was, well... It was amazing. But a lot had happened behind the scenes to even get to that point. So let's rewind back to September 2019. I had just returned to New Zealand from Canada and I was scheduled to get my infusion of Tysabri or natalizumab for my MS or my multiple sclerosis. And I was also due at this time for a regular MRI. My MRIs were usually yearly, every 12 months. Sometimes they would be a little just over a year just due to the logistics of Auckland not having nearly enough MRI machines for the amount of patients that needed MRIs. But I got my treatment and I got my MRI around about the same time. And because of the MRI issue that I mentioned before, I was actually outsourced for this MRI to Trinity MRI in Newmarket, Auckland. It is a private MRI place, but due to public just being completely full, I lucked out and was upgraded to the business class of MRIs. I remember making this joke because my friends Lisa and Ruben were just flying first class Singapore Airlines or like sweet class with their with their ear points, you know, and they'd just flown from Europe to America and they had this luxurious bed and I was joking like I don't even need to be traveling the real world right now I've got my own business class in my MRIs but anyway I just remember that this MRI was so amazing from the moment I walked in I was greeted by really lovely receptionists the space was exquisite it was fancy and bougie and I said to my mum this is literally the MRI of my dreams like sometimes you just deserve a little pampering and I ate it up. I loved it so much. And the bouginess didn't just extend to the patient experience, but also in terms of the MRI machine that they had. Their website states that it is a Philips 3.0T machine and it was specifically chosen to provide advanced imaging tools such as Look, I'm not even going to read it all out, but basically it's the creme de la creme of MRI scanners. Once I'd arrived, I was taken into the changing room by a really lovely MRI technician or radiographer who I can't remember 
exactly who it was, but it was probably a person called Nick, who later becomes quite an important piece of this podcast puzzle. I got into the hospital gown, I put on my fluffy bathrobe, I took a little selfie in the mirror, and then I moved into the waiting room. I sat down in this huge couch and I watched Netflix. (laughs) This is what I'm telling you guys. It was so bougie. There was somebody else in the waiting room with me and I had taken all the metal off my body so I wasn't wearing my glasses so I didn't really watch the like nature documentary that was on Netflix because they had this massive projector on the wall yeah it was just amazing anyway eventually I was called into the little like loading room before you go into the MRI room and I was lying on this bed and one of the MRI techs was putting um, an IV line in my arm before going into the scanner this wasn't unusual normally they need to inject a gadolinium gadolinium I don't actually know how to pronounce that. Gadolinium? <laughs> it's it's a dye. It's a contrast. And they inject it into your veins to enhance the images and see if there's any recent activity of your MS. And that usually happens when you're about midway. So they kind of just put the line in to preempt that so that they're not wasting any time when you're actually in the room. So... I don't think that they got the line in first try, but obviously not because my veins are little shits, but eventually it happened and then I was in the machine. Now, my scans normally last around 30 minutes long, so it can be a really daunting experience lying in this huge machine, especially when you realize just how strong the magnet is, like humans can't even be in the room with you, which is just wild. And so I was lying in this machine and I've got the helmet on and I'm looking up at the little mirror. And so the mirror is reflecting outside of the machine to a TV screen where I was watching another like nature travel documentary. This is what I mean by freaking bougie. Everything is just next level at Trinity MRI. And everything was going fine. They pull me out. They say that they need to enjoy the dye to see some stuff a little bit clearer and then there's this really nice comment about my socks and that's something that I will remember forever probably. Nick mentioned how he loved my socks and I can understand why because they were baby blue color and they had illustrations of flying pizzas on them. Everything finishes, I leave, I say goodbye and thank you. And me and my mum head back to the South Island where I'm going to chill for a couple of weeks before heading over to Canberra in Australia where I was set to be performing my comedy juggling show, Jess the Mess, for four weeks at the Floriade Flower Festival. My partner Jonas was also booked to perform at this festival and he was currently in Prague in the Czech Republic in Europe and he would be meeting me in Australia. No, no one's asked what the plan was for after that festival, but basically... Basically, the plan was that I would come back to New Zealand, get my MS treatment again, because it was every six weeks then. And then for Christmas, etc., we would be in Sweden so that I could finally meet his family. So before flying to Canberra, I needed to get some prescriptions from my GP for pain relief and things like that. Now, my GP was in Auckland, so I flew back up to Auckland just for the night. I was staying with some family and I had an appointment with her in the morning and I was going to be flying back down to mum and dad's in the afternoon. I just remember when I got there that the GP practice was extremely busy and everyone was running late. So my GP decided to see me in a makeshift room amongst the nurses station kind of thing. It all went well. She gives me my prescription and then she also gives me my MRI results. Because she's not a neurologist, she understandably doesn't really understand what she's saying to me when she gives me the results. And she says, 
Now, it's in more medical language, but I'll translate. She essentially said, we've found a lesion that looks like PML or progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy. I'm never going to... I don't know how to pronounce it. AKA, a rare brain disease that has a 40% mortality rate and can leave patients with severe neurological disabilities. I've known about PML since I've been diagnosed with MS because the treatment that I was on did have a risk factor associated with it. That if you were to become positive for the JC virus and you were on Tysabri, there is a risk that you might contract PML. Of course, my GP didn't know what PML was and sort of brushed it off and she said to me, Oh, I'm sure it's nothing. If it was something major, the hospital would have called you by now. And so because I'm a bit of a brat, I got her to print it out for me. And I left. I sat in the car park. I bawled my eyes out on the phone to my mum. And I frantically rang the neurology department at the Auckland City Hospital. To make an extremely long and horrific story short, I was eventually seen by my neurologist, the incredible Dr. Ernest Willoughby, a.k.a. Ernie. He's now retired. Whether I pushed him over the edge into retirement, we will never know, but I miss him and I'm stoked that he might be getting a little bit of a break now. Anyway, Dr. Willoughby comes up with a plan which consisted of cancelling all of my gigs, Jonas flying to New Zealand, my family basically dropping everything to be with me full time, many, 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 many blood tests, three lumbar punctures and an MRI every four weeks to monitor the lesion. The issue with monitoring the lesion is that it had to be in the exact same machine for quality control. So I was now having to get an MRI in the bougie MRI place every four weeks. There is a whole story here about funding and systems, which I'm going to leave for another day because I'm sure by now you're all thinking, Jess, but what about the podcast? (laughs) So basically, for a while there, after all of this initial brain drama, I'm contemplating the thoughts that I might, and I say that I might because I was still quite positive and I still had an ounce of fight left in me, but I was contemplating the thoughts that I might die a little bit earlier than previously anticipated. And because of the fact that I was suddenly a medical mystery, I was feeling really alone. And... I had the neurology department calling me saying that no neurologist had ever seen this before and that I'm the only one in the whole world, it would seem. And I'd always known that I was special, (laughs) but I honestly did not think that I would be that special. But it, it got me thinking about really deep things and essentially it got me thinking about what I really want to do with my life. And one day I was listening to a podcast called Get The Scoop. It was published by the clothing brand Boohoo. And at the time I was listening to it, it was hosted by Maura Higgins, who had just appeared on a recent season of Love Island UK. This episode, which came out on the 17th of October 2019, was with a person called Chris Hellinger. And there was a moment in that episode, right at the beginning, where Chris was talking about her documentary on the BBC. Now, Chris has incurable breast cancer and she had made a documentary for the BBC all about her life as she's living with breast cancer and she was talking in this podcast episode right at the beginning of the episode she was saying how this documentary how people had been watching it and they said that it had changed their lives and they'd learned how to check their boobs and it was so amazing and then Chris said this 
I was really keen to make it because all I'd ever seen on TV was shows or films about people that either survive it or die from it. And there was none of this in-between phase of actually living with it. So I was really proud to get that out there. And I immediately went and followed Chris on Instagram. Her handle is howtoglitterateurd, if anyone wants to follow, as well as following Copperfield, which is the charity that she founded with her twin sister in 2009. And I pondered on that statement that Chris had said. And I thought, yeah, where are the stories of people living with things? Not surviving, not dying of, but just simply living their lives. And why do I feel so goddamn alone with all of this brain drama? Surely I can't be the only person. And it was then, while sitting on a bus to Queenstown listening to this podcast episode, that I decided that I wanted to start a podcast. Perhaps it was rather selfishly to begin with because I wanted to connect with other people who were feeling a little bit like me. And in fact, I was kind of desperate for that connection. So how do I do that? Something that I've learned by being my own boss in the past and navigating the freelancer world is that you do have to be selective with who you talk to about your new ideas. But on the other hand, it is really important that you do still talk about your ideas because... I mean, if you subscribe to this belief, you're essentially putting it out there and almost manifesting the dream. But I also find that chatting to people, bouncing ideas off them, engaging their reactions can be really helpful in the early stages when you're crafting the idea. So I immediately told my mum, she's my biggest supporter, and she thought that it was a good idea. She might have been biased, I don't know. And then my friend Jade was in town for a business meeting. She literally had no time in between her meetings and flights and all that sort of stuff. And I remember that I was still kind of thinking, am I going to die? at this time, right? And I didn't really have good news to tell people. And so I was really worried that I wasn't going to be much fun to be around. And I wasn't really too sure if people actually wanted to meet me for like coffee and lunches and stuff, because maybe they just wouldn't really know what to say to me. But luckily, Jade, my friend Jade, is the absolute best. And we managed to squeeze in a super quick lunch while she was in town. Jade's really creative herself. And she's also really honest. So I told her my idea and she thought that it was really, really great, which was huge because Jade at this point absolutely hated podcasts. (laughs) They were not her thing at all, but she was able to see past that and support me with this idea. And actually, she now listens to podcasts. So podcast world, you're welcome because I believe that I single-handedly got Jade into podcasts. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, I also caught up with some other friends when they were visiting Queenstown and everyone was just like, yes, of course, Jess Bryan needs a podcast. And I mean, it was really overwhelming how many people thought that this was a good idea. And looking back now, as I'm like analyzing this time of my life, maybe they were just being really kind to me because I had a lesion on my brain that nobody knew what it was. But Anyway, I'm sure it wasn't. All of their support was amazing and it kind of solidified that this idea had legs. So I decided to sit with it for a little bit and get researching on how you even make a podcast. Now, I have had a lot of people message me, more than you would probably believe, and ask me for advice, tips, or sometimes even a complete guide on how to start a podcast. And the thing is, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And I'm literally just making all of this up as I go along. 
But here's a little quick debrief into how the beginning process all looked for me. During this brain drama time and over the next couple of months, I was doing a lot of yoga at Nadi Wellness in Queenstown. It's a really great studio. It has a view looking out to the lake and the mountains. And I practice a lot of gentle yin yoga. And at this studio, those classes always tended to be in the evenings during sunset. So I'm on my mat in the studio watching the sunset behind the mountains, dreaming of my podcast, which at this point was nameless. Some of my best ideas come to me when I'm in yoga. And like, I'm a yoga instructor, so I know that the goal is to silence the monkey mind, but sometimes you just got to throw that out the window because when, a, when an idea comes to you, sometimes you just have to run with it. And I was doing this yoga class and a name appeared for the podcast and I was like, holy shit, that's the name. It's amazing. I was obsessed with it. I left the class. I rang my mum. We were both just like, yes, yes, yes. And I could already see the cover art and it was going to be so amazing. And then I did a Google, a search on Facebook, a search on Instagram, and it turned out that somebody had already had that name and they had a chronic illness community with that name. I had no idea about this community when I came up with that name. But anyway, I had to go back to the drawing board slash go to some more yoga classes to try and find another name. I honestly don't know where the name That's So Chronic came from. <laughs> But it was definitely inspired by that 70s show. I've never watched that 70s show. But that was just coming to mind every time I thought of That's So Chronic. And also, of course, That's So Raven. Again, I've never really watched That's So Raven. We didn't have Sky when I was growing up. So no Disney Channel, no Nickelodeon or whatever channel Raven was on. And I also thought that maybe That's So Chronic would be this cute little catchphrase that people could say. Like, oh, That's So Chronic. I don't know. <laughs> that never happened, but the podcast happened. My mum loved the name. No one else had it, and so I was really excited to lock that name in. Once I had the name, I reached out to my friend Molly from Molly's Pink Creative, who was a freelance artist at the time, and she was actually on a road trip coming down to Queenstown, and she had a little bit of availability, so I was able to meet her for breakfast. We chatted about my ideas, and she designed the cover art and did all of the illustrations for me. And I am so Still, a year on, absolutely obsessed with what Molly created. So Molly, if you're listening, a huge thank you again from me. Now at this time, I was already listening to a bunch of podcasts and I knew what I liked, but more importantly, I knew what I really didn't like in terms of production, cover art style, and also interview technique. I was really inspired by Lola Berry and her podcast, Fearlessly Failing, and I sent her a message actually explaining just how inspired I was and that I was in the process of creating a podcast of my own and that I really hoped that I could facilitate conversations one day like what she was doing. And she replied to me and said that podcasting is one of her favorite things to do. And she she said to me, definitely do it. That's epic for my podcast plans. So I was not going to let Lola Berry down. <laughs> I found a guy online who gave me a reasonable quote to create the theme tune. He was amazing because my word vomiting was next level in my messages to him, but he absolutely nailed it. I received the tracks literally in the afternoon after having lumbar puncture number three. I think it was. Yeah, it must have been number three because I remember, yeah, I, I had my crutches with me. So 
yeah, it was definitely lumbar puncture number three because by the third one, my mobility and my walking wasn't too good. So I was definitely having to walk with my crutches and I had my crutches when these tracks came through. So yes, I got the tracks after lumbar puncture number three and I'm horizontal on the couch because I can't sit or stand up because the pain is just extraordinary. And I get these tracks and I just listen to them on repeat. Safe to say... Again, one year on, still absolutely obsessed with those tracks. So it was all coming together nicely. And after hours and hours and hours of research, I had purchased a microphone to test out. It worked, so I bought another one so I would have two microphones. And then I wasn't really too sure how I was going to make that work after that because my MacBook was from the dark ages and a piece of shit if I'm completely honest with you it has since died so RIP that MacBook and I just wasn't too sure how to connect the two mics together and how that was all going to work and how I could travel with it. it wasn't really making too much sense and I had to go and get another MRI probably number five or something like that and Nick the MRI tech asked what I was getting up to seeing as I wasn't able to work at the moment I told him about the podcast idea and in between me being microwaved the series of extremely loud noises and being pulled out for the dye etc etc he told me that he did a lot of music stuff and that he recommended getting a zoom h4n he was just like I think that this would be perfect for you and would help what you're like having trouble trying to do and he even wrote it down for me on a little note and I mean of course he did because how is a person in an MRI machine expected to remember a series of letters and numbers but anyway it was amazing and I honestly don't think that I would have gotten that piece of equipment if it wasn't for Nick explaining that to me but actually Nick and all of the other MRI techs and radiographers still not really sure what to call them what the official name is and Morris the neuroradiologist and Joe on reception and all of the other admin team at Trinity MRI they really made this quite horrific time of my life really amazing and I'm so grateful for them and I'm so grateful that I was outsourced for that initial MRI because I just cannot imagine going through however many MRIs that I went through without that team around me. So I'm so grateful for them. So then Nick had given me this name of this piece of equipment that was sort of the missing piece of the puzzle. And I did hours and hours and hours of researching again and I bought a whole new equipment setup. And that was thanks to the generous help of my first ever sponsors, Jonas and my mum and dad. And actually, a side note about that, the thing about getting really sick, what I've learned, is that people really want to help you. And they don't really know how to do that. So in my family, they just help out with random purchases. Like they put $20 in my bank account to buy a pizza. Or they put money towards purchasing a microphone for this new passion project that I was suddenly obsessed with. And it was amazing because one thing that I've also learned by suddenly getting really sick is that the government absolutely does not want to give you any money. In fact, you have to take your dad with you into the WINS office and explain to the caseworker that uh, we don't actually know what Jess is going to be doing in the next month or if Jess is even going to be with us. So you can actually stick those monthly medical certificates to prove that she's still a medical mystery up your... Yeah, anyway, just... um, <laughs> That's also another story. I'm getting a bit carried away. Anyway... 
I had all of the gear, I had a little bit of an idea, and I was cleared from the hospital to go to Adelaide in Australia to work at a festival there for five weeks. This is in February 2020 now, and I was still working away on some ideas for the podcast, and that's when, you guessed it, COVID hit. I'm really particular with the things that I create, and there was no way that I was going to launch a podcast and my first interviews be over the internet with terrible quality. No offense if that's your podcast and how you launched your podcast, I'm sure it's amazing, but I had spent so much time researching how to make a podcast in one particular way that I wasn't willing to pivot. Side note, I obviously do online interviews now and shout out to Squadcast who have made that process really amazing. I have a monthly subscription with them. I'm super happy with the quality. I definitely recommend checking out Squadcast if you're in the market for online interview technology. So during lockdown, how I ended up spending my time was taking multiple courses on Skillshare to learn about interview technique. I also got to be in a Zoom call with Zara and Michelle from the Shameless Media in Australia and learn more about how they made their media company and their hit podcast. I also enrolled in a paper in journalism at the University of Canterbury because I was really determined that I was going to get this right. I also binged the Netflix TV series Diagnosis. If you haven't seen it, it follows Dr. Lisa Sanders as she crowdsources for information for medical mysteries in her column for the New York Times. And that just fueled the fire even more that what I was creating really was important. And then it's September again. But September 2020, the 29th of September to be exact. And the first episode of That So Chronic is released to the world. Since that episode with Hayley Sproul chatting about her diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome and at the time of recording, which is Thursday the 23rd of September, I have released 36 interviews, 14 That's So and Spotlight On episodes. We've had just over 11,500 downloads in 43 countries around the world and created a community of 1,500 people on the That's So Chronic social media channels. There have been some huge highlights, too many to name to be honest, but this community and the people I have met along the way has definitely been the best part of all of this. I honestly wouldn't be here a year on if it wasn't for all of you listening at home, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much. And it wouldn't be much of a birthday party if I didn't invite all of you now, would it? So here are some messages from around the world. Happy birthday, That's So Chronic. Happy birthday, That's So Chronic. Long breath, Alhanadish, That's So Chronic. Happy birthday, That's So Chronic. You're not this preferred as a dog in, That's So Chronic. I can't believe you're one years old. Happy birthday, That's So Chronic. You have taught me so much about chronic illness and just how strong people really can be. Yay, Felicity, That's So Chronic and Jazz. Each week I look forward to my Tuesday mornings on my way to work as I get to listen to another episode of That's So Chronic. I'm always so curious to find out what the topic for each new episode will be and I love hearing the stories of the strong people you interview. Happy birthday that's so chronic my favorite thing about the podcast is how many new things I learn every single time I tune in for an episode and listening to a host that cares so much and is so excited to interview the amazing people that she 
has on. I can't believe it's been one year since I started listening to this podcast and I can say that I've listened to every single episode and have thoroughly enjoyed and learnt so much from every guest that you've had on. Congratulations that's a chronic on the one year anniversary. I've learned so much about my own illnesses and lots of others. I love the humour, the humanity and love learning something new each week. It's a great podcast, one of my favourites. Thank you so much for creating this platform as talking about these topics can really make a change in helping us have more empathy and kindness for others. I can't wait to see what you've got coming up. I know whatever you do, Jess, will be amazing. So I'm looking forward to it. Happy birthday. Well done, Jess. Yay! I can't wait to see what the coming years bring. Looking forward to another year of amazing podcasts from your number one Irish fan. Hope you're having a great day. Bye. Lots of love. Your biggest fan, Sam. Oh my God, why does it make me so emotional? (laughs) I love it so much. And the good news is I'm just getting started. I'm actually about to enroll in another paper in uni, this time in amongst the Bachelor of Social Health stream to learn all about the health system here in New Zealand because I figure that if I can learn the thing inside out, maybe I can help change it from a place of understanding. And I am even more dedicated to keep sharing our stories from people all over the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses because it is so important not why am I crying why am I so embarrassing (laughs) because it is so important not only to spread awareness but also to hope because I can only speak for myself here but life can be so isolating and overwhelming and just to be able to hear from others who might have similar experiences or completely different experiences and different realities. It is so rewarding. I am so grateful that I get to help share these stories every week with all of you at home. I've also got a lot of ideas just running around in my head on how to expand the podcast, how to grow, how I could reach more people and create more noise all while keeping the podcast completely free and accessible. But, of course, while That's So Chronic is my baby and the apple of my eye and the love of my life, sorry Jonas, creating these episodes does take a lot of time and money, which I know some people might not know because I don't really talk about it all that often, which is why I've decided to create a little shout me a coffee option on my website. This means that if you want to help support the work that I do here at That's So chronic you can donate a couple of dollars whenever you like and all of the money will go towards keeping that so chronic running and I completely understand if you aren't in the position to help at the moment that is totally fine other ways that you can help support the podcast and ways that are completely free is sharing the episodes on your Instagram stories or messaging them to people who might like to listen as well making sure that you've pressed subscribe on Apple podcasts or follow on Spotify and if you haven't already please please leave a review. That really, really helps. And of course, make sure that you're following That So Chronic on Instagram at That So Chronic. <sighs> I can't believe that it has been a whole year of this podcast already. 
we are moving into our toddler phase and I am here for it. (laughs) Thank you so much again for listening to the podcast. It means so much to me that you choose to have my voice and my guest's voice in your ears every Tuesday. I hope you have a lovely rest of your week, whatever you might be doing, and I'll see you next week. Oh, and I forgot to say, it turns out I didn't have PML, but still, to this date, they have no idea what that lesion is.